Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. So I'm going to talk with you uh, a few minutes this morning differently. I've never talked on this topic before. I don't think I've ever heard a minister talk on this topic, not to say that they haven't, because it's not that I listen to tons of ministers. Uh, but I'm going to talk to you about being real. Can you look at, look at someone and ask them, are you real? Tell them, I, you, t- tell them you smell real. But ask them, are you real today? Ask them, were they real yesterday? Come on, are you asleep this morning? Look at someone and ask them, are you real? Help, help a brother out. Help a brother out. So I try to be real with you. Uh, as a pastor, it, I, 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 I don't come up here with a facade. I, I, I don't come up here fake. Uh, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm not 100% transparent because I do believe in a degree of privacy. And I also believe that you can't handle the truth. (laughs) But in all reality, I try my best to be real with you. With how I speak, sometimes I say things and I put my foot in my mouth and I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, oh my God, why did I say that? I should not have said that word or made that phrase or said that comment. Uh... I, I, I don't come dressed in a three-piece suit thinking I'm someone that I'm not. I do dress up for my wife every now and then, even though I feel like a clown when I do it. Uh, but when you dress up for your wives, men, it pays dividends, okay? Uh, but for the most part, uh, I'm real with you. I, I, I share my struggles with you. Uh, You know, and there is struggles connected with that as a pastor. Uh, My reputation, there's a a struggle connected with that. Uh, How people view me, uh, there's a struggle that goes along with that. Uh, People not comfortable with me as a leader being as transparent uh, as I am. And that's just a list of you. Some people like the idea of reality, but don't like reality. I learned this surfing. I like the idea of paddling to a big Hawaiian wave, but when I paddled into a 12-foot wave, the reality showed me that, Jonathan, you can get hurt, boy. And reality, true reality, was quite different than from the idea of reality. And sometimes... You know, we say we, won't, we want to be real or we want to hear people be real or see people be real. But when the reality of receiving it or the reality of doing it really, really comes to pass, uh, it's quite a different scenario because you find yourself vulnerable. And there's a challenge with vulnerability. There's a challenge being vulnerable, but in our reality, there's a challenge receiving vulnerability from other people. 
knowing the truth about someone uh, can change relationships, can change views, can change trust. So being real is nice in theory, but is difficult in reality. In the past, there has been a, a mindset in, in church, and I'm not saying this church, just in church that I've experienced, and it's that there is a need or there is a portrayal of being righteous or being perfect or being like really holy when all reality there is a major struggle. There is a lack of righteousness and a lack of holiness and a lack of things that people have a tendency to portray themselves as. And I've seen this in typical you know, Christians. Uh, I've seen this big time in, in preachers and church leaders uh, where they give off the idea that, man, they got it all together. But truth be told, people who sit in the seats aren't ignorant. And so oftentimes, you can pick out a fake from someone who's, who's real. So with this, the idea of portraying perfection, the idea of portraying we got it all together when in our reality we don't, don't, whether that be as a congregant or whether that be as a leader, I have this question is this really healthy, and is it really right? Is it healthy, starting with myself, working on down to you, is it healthy for us to portray that we are perfect or close to it, that everything is a-okay, we got everything under control, when in our reality, we're not, and we don't. Let me show you something in the Bible, a couple things that's quite interesting. Uh, one of the things isn't in a specific verse, but more some areas. What we see in Scripture is some great men and women of God. I mean, just study the Scriptures. You, you see greatness. But what's very interesting is we see the opposite of what seems to be seen in the church. We see how these great men and women also had their struggles. And the Bible is very open with it. So let's just start with a few examples. Adam and Eve, we know firsthand what they did. Noah, after the flood, he grew a vineyard, crushed some grapes, fermented them, and then the Bible says he got drunk and was naked for his son to see in his tent. Abram, a bit of a coward, he lied about his wife so that they wouldn't kill him. Moses, he, was, he murdered an individual, but he also disobeyed God in the wilderness. David, we see that he committed adultery. We also, we, we see multiple things there. We see that he was not on the battlefield when he should have been on the battlefield, so he was not manning his post. We see that he committed adultery with a married woman. We see that because he couldn't hide his sin, that he had uh, the husband of this woman to be murdered by placing him on the front line of battle. Major, you know, major uh, failures right there. Look at Solomon. Solomon had 700 concubines. That's 
a lot of women. That's a lot of sex when he shouldn't have been having sex. If you don't know what that, if you don't know the idea of what it means to have 700 concubines, that wasn't God's will for him. And you know what? What all these women led to? It led to him allowing there to be idol worship in the high places of God's land. Failure, mistakes, Peter. People don't realize the the major fault he committed when he denied Christ. He actually set himself up for hell because Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before the Father. Now, that is a serious issue. We think we just kind of brush it off like it's dust on the boots. But when Peter denied Christ not only once but three times, he seriously set himself up to be denied by the Father, which meant he would be not allowed into heaven. Major issue. Paul, we don't know exactly what Paul, the issues that Paul had, but Paul himself said, I don't do what I should, and I do what I shouldn't. And he also talked about having a thorn in his flesh. Now, what's very interesting about Paul's case is that, again, You know, a few minutes ago, jokingly, I said, I'm pretty transparent, but I'm not 100% because you can't handle the truth. Perfect example with Paul is we knew he struggled and he had issues, but yet we didn't know what he struggled with. Don't take me wrong. I personally don't believe that we should just let everything out of the bag, right? That's not what I'm saying this morning. Uh. Uh, another interesting part is James 5.16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses. Some versions say, confess your sins. Confess your trespasses to one another. So again, repeating the question. In the modern day church, when we like everything to look perfect, we like everything to sound perfect, and we like everything to seem perfect. Is it really healthy and is it really right to portray perfection when in our reality, it's not. Is it right for you to portray perfection when you're not perfect? Is it healthy for me as a leader to stand up here before you and act like I got it all together when some days I honestly don't? In my opinion, based off scripture that I just shared, I would say it's not healthy. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Not not a lie. Not a portrayal of something you're really not. But the truth 
will set you free. I've heard it from so many people, even my own children. I don't like church because I see hypocrites. Now, I don't go along with that because there's hypocrites everywhere. You go to a bar, there's hypocrites. Go to school, there's hypocrites. Go to a family barbecue, there's hypocrites. Come to church, there's hypocrites. Right? But the reason the church gets that in such a bad way is because we totally portray one thing and we totally do another thing. So, the third time around, is it truly healthy and is it truly right to portray something different than reality? I would say no. So I, I want to kind of look at three things and then an ending. How is being real in your faith healthy? Because if being unreal is un unhealthy, then being real means is then being real means it's healthy, right? Number two is the shouldn'ts of being real, because there is some things you shouldn't do when it comes to being real. And then number three is how to handle the truth when someone is being real with you. And then we're going to jump back into James 5 for an ending. So how, how is being real in your faith healthy? Number one, it helps you. It helps you by allowing someone to support you. It helps you by allowing someone to hold you accountable. It helps you by allowing someone to give you some wisdom when it comes to whatever you're struggling with. So, number one, being real is healthy because it helps you. On the opposite side, if you are not being real with the right people, guess what? You don't get support, you don't get accountability, and you don't get the wisdom you need to overcome whatever it is you're struggling with. Number two, why is it healthy? Is because you receive prayer. When we pray, I, I like this saying I heard years ago, but it's always stuck with me. When we pray, God works. And if there's one thing you need when you're struggling, it is the fervent prayers of a righteous person. Last week was a very hard week for me uh, in the beginning, and things got better. Come to find out, Melissa came to me last Sunday and said, I had a dream about you, and I've just been praying for you. I needed that. Because it started rough and got better, and I can only say it got better because someone was praying for me because God told them to. Number three is a testimony. When you are real, specifically in the context of you went through something and you overcome it, or you're going through it and you are overcoming it, your test, you have a testimony that can help others. Sometimes we need to see and know what we go through or people, what one another goes through. Sorry, I'm getting all bum-fuzzled. 
Lorana felt bad for coming up last week and sharing what she shared about her struggles. I was like, don't feel bad about that. You were being real. There's people out there that needed to hear what you were going through and how you kicked yourself in the butt and came to church anyway. It don't, it don't matter the level or the depth of that. They needed to see and hear that. Right? It's a testimony. The Bible says we are overcomers by the word of our... Te- we, plural, not... I am an overcomer by the word of my testament. We are overcomers by the word of our testimony. The fourth one and the last one for this point is freedom. There's just something liberating about sharing the truth with a trusted person. Try it. It feels good. And I emphasize trusted person. So there's a freedom associated with it. A load that us all. So the Bible says that Jesus takes our load. The Bible says for us to come to him, those that is heavy burden, and he will give us rest. Why? Why, why, why? So I know there's a spiritual application for that, but, I also, but there is also a practical application. So when we earnestly and honestly come to Jesus with our issues and we just lay it out before him, Why is all of a sudden there is a lightness, a lightness that comes upon us? Because we have released our sins unto him, our struggles. We have confessed unto him. And because he is real, just like we are real, he takes our burden and he replaces our heaviness with his peace. The truth will set us free. But that is also applicable when we apply that same principle with one another. The truth will set you free. It helps remove the burden. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, David, could you turn these lights down for me, please? I'm, I'm getting blinded. So the second part, the shouldn'ts. Well, first of all, does that make sense to everybody? I'm having a little talk with you today. I ain't preaching at you. I'm having a little talk with you. I preached at you enough the last four weeks. I needed a break from preaching today. (laughs) The shouldn'ts of being real. There's some things you shouldn't share. Maybe because there are of the utmost private, private, uh, of a private nature, or maybe because you're working through it, or maybe because it involves others, and your sharing of something could involve somebody else that may not be so happy about that. So you have to be extremely, like, wise, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and know who you're talking to. There's some things that you just, not that you shouldn't ever share them or you won't ever share them, but maybe for that time and that place or that person, uh, you have to be very, very careful. Uh, the second one in, 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 in this section is there are some things you shouldn't share with certain people. Let me just kind of give you, give you a revelation. 
you can't trust everybody with your battles. Because when you tell some people your battles, the fact that you told them your battles creates another battle for you. You can't trust everybody with your struggles. That doesn't mean you can't trust nobody. That's a lie from the devil. Because there are people that you can trust. Men and women that love you, that care for you. And guess what? You don't have to need somebody that has gone through the exact same thing you've gone through. Jesus didn't go through anything that, that, that the people went through that he ministered to. But yet they came to him because of who he was and what he had to offer. Sometimes you, some people don't go to other people because maybe they feel like, oh, they can't relate to what I'm going through. They haven't been through what I've been through. Sometimes it is nice that you can talk with someone who's just gone through, it, through something similar or the same, but it just doesn't always work out that way. What's most important is knowing you can go to someone that you can trust that will, and that will pray for you and will give you their honest, sound, wise judgment or words of advice. But getting back to the shouldn't aspect is you shouldn't share with certain people. And guess what? These certain people might be the people you're the closest to. Let me give you a little cue up. If, some, if, if someone has a habit uh, talking to you about other people, when you talk to them about yourselves, there's a big possibility they're going to talk to other people about you. So if someone's a big mouth in your life, guess what? You might be a part of their big mouth. Now, some of you who's a big mouth, you don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. And you need to work on your big mouth because your big mouth is hurting people in a big way or has hurt people in a big way. Amen. Now, don't get it confused with an extrovert and an introvert. An extrovert is going to be talkative. Perfect example. My wife's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. You come to my house, she's going to talk to you. I'm just going to sit and look at you. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm on, I'm on. She will do the talking, but I'm a servant. So I, I will offer you drinks. I will offer you food. I will even make you something, right? I will ask, what do you want to watch on TV? But, uh, but she will do the talking. But I can honestly say to you, you can trust your information with my extrovert wife, and you can trust your information with her introverted husband. So just because someone is outgoing don't mean they can't be trusted. I just want to get that in the clear, right? There's a difference when someone is spilling the beans about other people's business as opposed to someone just being extroverted, right? So I don't, I don't want to get that all confused. The last one about the shouldn'ts of being real is there's some things you shouldn't say until the right time and the right way. There's a timing. I specifically want to hold on or hone in on the right way. 
unless God, please hear this, unless God or unless the Holy Spirit leads you to do this, do not air your problems out on social media. Do not do that, please. I'm going to be, sometimes you make yourself look like an idiot. Like, really? You make yourself look like something you're really not. You make yourself look like a fool. Because people don't understand the full context of what you're going through. Or they see this horrible selfie picture that you post of yourself on a bad day. And it, oh, it makes you look bad. It makes you sound bad. And then everybody and their mama knows your business. And then if you say something that has another person, like your husband, your wife, or your kids associated with it, all of a sudden everybody and their mama is kind of speculating and reading between the lines. And, and there's all these red flags going off about the husband or about the wife or about the kids. And I've read some things and I've been like, oh my God, this person is, is making it sound like they're being abused and they're not being abused. Oh, you're, they're making their spouse look like an idiot when their spouse absolutely loves them and cares for them. Oh, they're making their kids look like they're a bunch of wild hellions. Yes, they got some issues, but they're good kids. Am I making sense? Please, I beg you, not just as a pastor, but just as a dude, don't air your junk on social media. Keep your junk in the trunk. Until it's time to open that up and share it with someone who cares. Because 99% of the people who read your junk on social media don't care. You just become a circus. And I don't know about you, me and my problems is not a circus. You and your problems is not a circus. And they're definitely not to be put out there to be ignored, to be made fun of, or to hold against me in the future. Are you breathing? So how to handle, number three, the third section, is how to handle the truth, uh, or how to handle someone who's being real with you. Number one, pray. When someone is real with you, it's a very... It's very, it's like, it's very intimate. It's very important. They are entrusting you with maybe their deep, darkest secrets, some of their worst pains, some of their most struggles. It is a, it is of the utmost privacy. It is the, of the utmost trust. I'm glad to say I have your rep, I have, there's a few reputations I have in ministry. And one of them is I'm a very private person when it comes to other people's privacy. Unless it's in the know and unless people tell me, like, like I don't even share with my wife, but let me put a clause in there. If you are a woman and you come to me to talk about private things, guess what? My wife is going to know about it. That's just, I had a woman come up to me once, says, I need to talk with you. And it was outside the church. It wasn't like an enclosed environment. I wouldn't have done that anyway. She's like, but I don't want you to tell your wife. And I was like, well, number one, I had like two red flags. Like, 
and I stopped. I said, whoa, uh, uh, you know, so-and-so. I, I, I can't do that. I said, I, I have to, I'm going to let my wife know what we're talking about. I don't work that way. Why did I say that? I got on that tangent. I don't know why I said that for him. But, uh, anyway, pray. Don't treat them different. That's one of, that's a fear when it comes to people sharing the truth is being looked at or treated differently. Don't treat them differently. Don't look at them differently. Don't uphold them differently. Unless it's you treating them better than they were treated in the first place because you respect their honesty. Don't treat them different. That's not cool. That's not cool. Uh, don't share their info. If someone comes to you with per- private info and you share that info, shame on you. You should be ashamed of yourself. Like, I'm not joking. You should be ashamed of yourself. You just sinned against that person because you broke their trust. Shame on you. You're not worthy. You're not worthy of someone's truth. Because you've misused it. You've abused it. And now you've got to re-earn it. That's not acceptable. When someone confides in you and then you go tell somebody else. Come on. Come on. That's how you hurt somebody. That's how you damage somebody. That's how you get rumors started. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. Afterwards, a bit down the road, ask them how they're doing, but please, please get this. Don't hound dog them. Every time you see them. How you doing? Are you doing okay with that? Fill in the blank. You see them in Walmart. How you doing? You okay with that? Fill in the blank. You text them three times a day. How you doing with that? Fill in the blank. It's important to hold people accountable. It's important to check up on them. Nobody likes to be hound-dogged. Who likes to be hound-dogged? Nah, nobody likes to be hound-dogged. Use some wisdom for God's sakes. In the right place, in the right time, we hold one another accountable. And we go back and we ask, hey, how's it going? Are you, you, you doing all right? Am I making sense this morning? But you don't hound-dog them. Or they won't ever come back to you again. Be like, man, I told them. They just wouldn't let it go. So let's jump to the ending now. James 5 in context. I'm going to... I'm going to read several scriptures uh, in chapter 5. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of the righteous man avails much. Now, I skipped from 18 to 16 in there just so that you know. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. 
and he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruits. So there's a, there's a lot of things right here, but a couple standouts for us today. So James technically was basically giving some instruction for end-time living. If you read this in context, James was basically saying, hey, you know, the Lord is going to be coming back, and these are some things uh, that you need to be doing while you're waiting on the Lord to come back. And now, he didn't give an exhausted list. He just kind of gave a few principles. And you can, I'm not going to break those down. You can go back. I would encourage you to go back and read this. Read James chapter 5 and see the full context of it. And because James lays a very practical uh, you know, directive, what we should do when it comes to waiting for the Lord to return. But in one of these things, we get the verse that I, I, read, I read to you earlier. While we're waiting for the Lord to return, one of the things that we should do is what he says right here. In verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So one of the things that should be a part of, of, of our faith, of us living out our faith, is confessing our struggles one to one another. It's a part of what we do while we wait on the Lord. The Lord is going to return. Some people think sooner than later. It's neither here nor there for me. I just know he's coming back and I'm going to be ready. But I'm, I'm big on how I should live my life until, we, until he returns. I'm very big on how I should teach you according to scripture to lead you to live your life until he comes and one of the things James says right here he says confess to one another in other words in our lingo be real with one another be real with one another and pray for one another and then the last part it's actually one of my favorites and is I, I love the fact that he, he, he jumps to the Old Testament and to Elijah and he begins to share what Elijah did and the outcome and he was using Elijah as an example for what could, what could happen to us. So verse 16, the end of 16, it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So he's telling people to pray. But then he goes right into Elijah, starting with verse 17, and he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was just like you and I, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And he prayed again, and the heaven gained gave rain and the earth produced fruit. So James is trying to encourage the reader here that, hey, Elijah's prayers was answered in this magnitude. So your prayers can be answered in this magnitude. Like when you think of Elijah and Elisha and the other prophets that did like some crazy miracles, at least me, I think of them like way up here and me way down here. Right? And I think like 
there's no way I can pray like they prayed and get the same response that they got. But James right here is creating this equality between us and, oh my God, Elijah, one of the greatest. He's, he's, he's probably one of my favorites as far as prophets. And I don't know, but like it so encourages me to be like, I don't have to be like Elijah can pray and get outcome, but I can't pray and get that outcome. James is saying, pray for one another because your prayers can be answered just like Elijah's prayers was answered. Ooh, I'm getting some chicken skin on that one right there. I mean, it's so important that we take that to heart. That's why you should pray for me. That's why I should pray for you and not just a one and done. So if, if you notice, you have to really dig, you have to really kind of look at scripture with a magnifying glass and you have to see little words that changes everything. It says, and he prayed earnestly. It wasn't a one and done. He earnestly prayed for there not to be rain. So I need you to earnestly pray for me. I need to earnestly pray for you. You need to earnestly pray for one another because just like God answered Elijah's prayer, God can answer your and my prayer for one another. That's beautiful and powerful that our prayers can be answered like Elijah's prayer. But if we're not real with one another, then guess what's not going to be real for one another? Our prayers. If we're not real with one another, then we're not going to have real prayers for one another. Does that make sense? All right, I'm just going to give you these in close. And I, 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 you know you got a real preacher when they give you a bunch of endings and then they give you a closing. Let me give you some shouldn'ts, all right? Some things shouldn't be shared. Some things shouldn't be shared with certain people. Some things shouldn't be shared until the time and the way is right. But line all those up. Make sure you're not in the shouldn'ts. And you and I should be real with one another so that we can really pray for one another and have our prayers answered. Amen? Stand to your feet for this moment, please. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.